Hello, everybody, and welcome to our latest episode of Boots on the Ground, our video podcast series where we dive into the high-stakes world of real estate with those that live and breathe it. In today's episode, we're breaking down how to master the art of thriving in an environment known for its 70-hour-plus work weeks, late hours, relentless pressure, and emotional intensity. From physical fitness routines to mental resilience strategies, today we will share how we navigate this demanding profession without compromising our health or well-being. Well, too much anyways. Whether you're in real estate, contemplating a career in this field, or simply interested in health and fitness strategies, this episode is packed with our personal insights, and you won't want to miss any of them. Join us as we uncover some of the practical advice that we've been using behind the scenes to ensure that we're staying active, mentally sharp, and on our A-game. Here we go. It is the first week of August. 2023. We are Fox Marin Associates, Toronto's most innovative and active brokerage in central downtown Toronto. We aren't here to regurgitate boring stats. You can find those anywhere. We're here to share what we see going on in the Toronto real estate market in real time on a weekly basis so that you can be in the know and make informed decisions. If you're interested in getting an up-to-the-moment opinion on what's happening in Toronto real estate right now and learning about what's going down boots on the ground before it becomes a stat, then you're in the right place. My name is Ian Busher. I'm a broker with the Fox Marin team. Keeper number handy. This is Corey Marin, in-house hype girl and resident expert listing broker. And of course, a good man to know, Mr. Ralph Fox, our analytical investor-driven macro picture watcher. We do this every week, so hit that subscribe button and join us for the latest updates every seven days. All right, let's get started. Let's set the stage. In an industry where seven-day work weeks are the norm and vacations are often a rare luxury, that means you need to thrive and survive as a top producing agent. Perhaps success isn't just measured in sales, it's an ability to maintain physical, mental, and emotional health amidst relentless demands. How do we do it? What are our secrets? How do we keep pushing forwards without burning out? Without further ado, let's unpack this topic, something the three of us know a lot about. (laughs) Corey, would you take over for me? I can't even tell you how excited I am about this podcast. Oh, this is so up my alley to talk about this. I'm pumped. Well, I think it'd be really helpful for our viewership, first of all, to know a little tiny bit about our history in terms of how long we've been in the business, how long we have survived in the business, thrived in the business, and like a little bit on like maybe your fitness and health background. Just it's not like we're just coming to this for the first time ever. I think we've all had some sort of connection to like mind, body, spirit for a long period of time. So I think we do have something to offer and some great advice on this topic in combination with real estate. So um, Ian, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background um, and share that just to give us a bit of history on you. Absolutely. I have been in real estate for 10 years now. Before that, I was a licensed contractor and uh, carpenter. When I was in the contracting field, I was on my feet all day, like just constantly moving, and it was very physical. So when I made that transition to uh, being in real estate, I knew that I was going to lose that. So what I needed to do was um, grab a gym membership, uh, start talking to personal trainers, and figure out what a good uh, regime would be to replace the physicality that I was going to lose from sitting at a desk all day. I didn't realize how often I'd be running back and forth the listings, (laughs) but... But that's not quite as intense as the physicality of the contracting world. That makes so. sense. And Ralph, mm-hmm. you? Oh my gosh. Well, I think I've been in the business for 17 years or something like that, over 15. So we'll, we'll say more than, uh, more than a fortnight. I've always been in business for myself, 
or in sales, uh, always been a workaholic um, and uh, always uh, have sort of been thinking about the work-life balance, uh, knowing that uh, physical activity, physical health, mental health, uh, all of those um, parts definitely play a supporting part of the equation. And as we get older, they become really the main part of the equation. And so it's something I've always had a focus on, a passion, a love for, from playing hockey at a very young age, to playing a lot of sports, to always being athletic, to uh, working out probably in the gym since age of 12 or 13. And so I have a strong background and um, affinity for phys- physical fitness and uh, personal development and uh, a lot of things that go along with that from the mental, emotional, spiritual standpoint as well, which we may talk about. So it's always been a fundamental part of my identity and how I like to spend my time when I'm not working and how I try to balance my time so that I can be more focused and present uh, throughout the day. That makes sense. And uh, it'd be very hard for us to live together and work together if we didn't have the same philosophy and approach to a lot of these things. So I very much respect that about you and know that you put a lot into how much you care for all of those aspects of your life beyond the office and the hours that we work. Um, Me too, come from a huge background in fitness. Uh, I trained as a professional dancer. Uh, I left home when I was 11 to go to a boarding school to train full time. I studied classical theater. I worked in theater for a very long time, which is very grueling. Um, Then I taught fitness classes part-time, which was an easy extension of a theater and ballet background. And I did that on top of working full-time in pharmacy sales and tech sales and a bunch of corporate jobs uh, for 12 plus years. And that was a way I saved a lot of money to actually buy real estate, which is a whole other topic. Um, I have been in gyms since, oh gosh, since the 90s step classes and every kind of class you could possibly imagine either taking it or taught it. I've done triathlon. I've run the full marathon. I've run the half marathon. I've done duathlons. I've done a lot. Uh, I've lifted weights for like, I don't know, 15 years. So this is my secret side passion. I love this topic. I'm obsessed and I find it so fascinating on all aspects of fitness, including the emotional, spiritual, and mental component as well. And I'm really looking forward to us talking about how we've integrated this side passion that we all have into the work we do today and why I still feel like we're all still standing regardless of the up and downs and the demands of the real estate market. And we certainly know it can take a toll on all aspects of your well-being. So this is a great topic for all of us to contribute to. So I'm looking forward to uh, throwing the torch to Ralph, who's going to kickstart our first round of questions. So the first question here is, and I love this question, is there such a thing as work-life balance? And what does that mean to you? So I think the real question is, yeah, like, is there such a thing? And I'm not sure that there is because it is such a difficult, esoteric, abstract, philosophical question that really can change all the time. And uh, the challenge is, is when you work for yourself uh, or when you own your own business, and we talk about this a lot at our meetings, is is that you're either under 
some type of stress because you're too busy or because you're not busy enough. And the two are always waiting each other like this. And there are times where you're slow, where you feel like you'll never earn any money again. And there are times like you're so busy where I was like, if I just, if these people just left me alone and I could just chill out for a bit, that would be awesome. And it's very rare that you're ever at a point where, you know, it's just right. It's just perfect. And if you're there, you're not going to be there for very long, one way or the other. So having that work balance, then, which is very difficult to find, makes it difficult to then in turn balance the life side to that in tandem with one another. So I think it's a real challenge. um, And I don't know if it really ever exists for a prolonged period of time. And I do think that most people who are high performers or have achieved uh, measures of high success in their lives or careers have ever really been able to achieve that balance for prolonged periods of time. And so therein lies the conundrum. And I think it's a challenge that anybody who works for themselves always faces. But yet at the same time, we do want to do things and experience life and have relationships and be healthy and be our best selves outside of work because there are many things that are important to us and should be important like family and relationships and health and fitness and self-improvement, self-development that should also be a very high priority in one's life. And how you balance those two is the real juggling act. And I don't know if there really is an answer to it, but I do know that if you don't have the other side to lean on, it will be very difficult to be successful and productive at work long-term. Meaning if you don't have your friends or relationships or your health or your fitness or all of those things, if they're not there as a foundation, over time, it will be very difficult in a competitive and stressed environment like we all work in to continue to be successful. So it's this yin and yang type of thing. And it's always interesting because you're always trying to balance and calibrate the two. Um, and is there ever perfect harmony? No, but I think we're constantly striving for that harmony, which in turn makes us happy and fulfilled and, and better human beings. I don't know. I was listening to this Richard Rule. Is it Richard Rule? Rich Rule. Yeah. And he was talking about this on his recent podcast. And he was talking about how much he really doesn't love the expression balance. He's like, nobody can achieve anything unless they're fully committed. You cannot have balance and commit to something and grow and be a top producer or win or achieve or do anything that's interesting, unique, organic, experimental, intense, unless you commit 120% to it. So this concept of balance, which is a word that I really despise, actually, like it just makes me feel like annoyed. People like, you need to find balance. It's just like, fuck off. Like, I just am trying to get this done. And I think that, yes, it's nice to like have the pendulum swing in both directions. And do I think all of those elements are important? 
1 million percent. But this idea for us to live in a harmonious place between all of those ebbs and flows, I think is actually not achievable. And I think it adds this other layer of stress that people are trying to like achieve this sense of balance. And if they don't feel balanced and they feel like they're not achieving because they're not balanced. And it's like, maybe it's just more of awareness. It's like, okay, right now I'm swinging a little bit more on like, you know, working too many hours. So let me make sure I'm balancing that out with quality sleep, with good nutrition and like three workouts this week. Um, or where maybe sometimes you're like, my goal right now is I want to feel like, you know, really fit for the summer and I want to feel train for a race or something. I'm going to put more hours into my training right now, but I'm okay to sacrifice a little bit on my sleep. And maybe I won't take on two clients over the springtime because I want to allocate these hours. I think that makes more sense to me than trying to live in this harmonious state between all of the different elements because it's impossible. Life, you need to be responsive and flexible. And by relieving yourself of that burden of balance, it just makes it a little bit more fun and forces you to be a bit more aware. The key word that you said is the word awareness. And I think if you have your priorities and you know your priorities and you know what's important to you, then you can look at, be like, okay, work is out of seven and my relationships are out of three and my fitness Mm -hmm. is out of six. So maybe I need to focus more on those other factors like the relationships and the health and fitness to bring those up. And so I do think that the awareness of trying to be in balance is actually a helpful measure. And and so there's different ways and perspectives that you can have on it. But if you're too far over on one, the other aspects of your life will suffer. And if those important aspects of your life are being neglected, Life has a way of coming around and kicking you in the ass with either a health scare or a relationship problems or a whole bunch of other things. And then those things in turn put pressure on what is doing well, which might be in this instance work. And so I think, I think the awareness of where you're at and where you want to be and trying to balance those is, is really important. But you also would all agree on this panel right here is that none of us would have achieved what we have in real estate unless we had committed, you know, 110 plus percent to get here. And we did make sacrifices along the way. And it was worth doing that to get here to this place in time. And so there was an intensity that's required, a focus, an all-in attitude, a sacrificing of these other elements, and not for like a week, I'm talking like years. And so I don't think any of us would could turn over our shoulder and be like, that was a waste of time. I'm so glad I put in that work to be able to get to this place where I can make different choices now, or I can have more balance per se, because we earned it. But I don't think you can just like wake up in this business one day and be like, it's really important for me to prioritize, you know, my relationships and my you know, therapy and my training right now when you're first in the business as an example. You have to be like, no, I'm giving everything up so that I can take these clients to see these 20 rentals. I think. I also think, if I may throw in, yeah. I, was, I was just looking down here, wasn't playing with my phone. I was taking some notes because <laughs> there's so much stuff going around yeah. that I just wanted to make sure I didn't forget any of my thoughts. I think self-care really is on a case-by-case basis. So if you, and the question that comes to mind is, where do you get your joy? And if you get your joy out of working 22 hours a day, then maybe that is your balance. I know people who define themselves by their career and that's okay if that is what's making you happy. If going to Sunday dinner with your family 
stresses you out and doesn't make you balanced, then, then don't do that, right? Yep. To a certain degree, you have to take other people into consideration to have relationships. And we can't all do exactly what we want to do all day, every day. So self-care is a, is a balance, but it's also up to you as the individual what you want that to be. I don't think it's like a, a meal where you say, I've got my greens and my protein yes. and a little bit of carbs, <laughs> right? I can't say family who drive me crazy, work, which I love, and uh, exercise, which I also hate, right? <laughs> like you need to say, wh- where am I finding happiness yes. in all of this? You know, where am I finding contentment? Maybe happiness is not the fulfillment, all these different words. So that's a scale of balance. Um, and the other thing I was going to say too, Corey, I think this was kind of feeding off of something that you mentioned is when you're young and energetic, um, that is the time to be maybe going a little bit off balance. Yes. Because the way to find balance is through experiencing both maybe being too quiet and being too busy and getting too much of something and not enough of something else. But in your 20s, maybe even into your 30s a little bit, that is the perfect time to sort of be like, okay, I just worked for three months straight and, uh, and I let my health go and I didn't exercise enough. I didn't eat well. I, I haven't talked to my friends. I don't like being there, Yeah, but I'm more experienced now and I have this accreditation, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we all need to ask ourselves at times, I'm going to push really hard. And maybe this relates to a scale of what balance actually means. I think we were talking about balance within a day, balance within a week. What about balance over a year, mm-hmm. right? Real estate's a seasonal business. So you're going to push from mid-February until summer. And then do six weeks where you kind of are like, I'm taking some personal time. I totally, totally agree with that. And I totally agree when you're in your 20s and 30s, you go hard, baby. You go hard. Like before I was in the business, and I know Ralph can attest to this too. Like when I was in pharma sales, like we would take our clients out to like three o'clock in the morning and then like set up the trade show booth the next morning at I don't know, like six in the morning and I have like three hours of sleep and I felt amazing. I didn't care what I was eating. I would be like, oh, I'll work out when I get home. My body would bounce back after like, I'm like, oh, my pants feel a little tight. Then a week later, I'm like, I'm lean again. (laughs) Like It was so easy to deal with. Now I'm like, oh God, you know, my pants feel tight. This is going to take me at least two months to deal with (laughs) shit. What's the expression? When you're, when you're young, you can party for three days and feel it for one. Yeah. And the older you get, you party for one day and feel it for three. Oh, yeah. Corey and I have dinner with uh, clients, friends of ours tonight. And we've given ourselves each a two-drink maximum. Like we've strategically now thought this out. We're at this point in our <laughs> lives and health maybe because we're, we're not drinking very much. But it's like, okay, only two drinks. We're going to have a cocktail. And then we're going to have a glass of wine with dinner. We set the ground rules. And as we're doing that, I'm like, oh my gosh, like 10 years ago, that would never even be a consideration. And if somebody were to ask me, um, you know, do I feel any different or what are the changes as I get older? I would say that for me, the biggest one is bounce back. Like I feel, I think sometimes I feel like I'm still in my 20s. I swear to G-O-D, but... My bounce back or my ability to just drop five pounds in a week or, you know, recover after having a couple bottles of wine. Like that is, that is just, that ship is sailed. Also, just that intensity of getting into that very, very busy time in the market where you are go, go, go. The only way for you to get things done is to get up earlier and earlier 
and stay at your desk or on the phone longer and longer and longer. And that's a big part of it too. That will burn you out just as much as not eating well or overindulging. Most definitely. Okay, so next question. Real estate requires a lot of time and energy, as we've already discussed, and can be a big emotional drain. As a result, there is a huge turnover rate in our business and the burnout is real. What are your keys to longevity in the business or to anyone working in a similar high-stress business, high-stress, high-competitive business? So I'm going to ask Corey that question. Well, I think that I actually did burn out, to be honest with you, for reals. And so this is a hard question for me to give a solution to, more that I can attest to the fact that I think that it did drive me to the ground. I was the type that was starting to set the alarm earlier and earlier to the point where I was starting to set it at like 4 or 5 a.m. and staying up till 11 and drinking sugar-free Red Bulls and living off a lot of coffee, working seven days a week and never feeling like I was done and it was never enough and I could always be doing more and it wasn't good enough and it wasn't good enough and there was always something I could be doing. And I still struggle with this to this day but not to the same level. And it was very much fueled by stress. So I was like addicted to the adrenaline rush of the stress. Like, and we've talked about this offline, but to get myself up in the morning, I would, the alarm would go off and I would visualize my schedule and how much I had on my plate. And that was enough of an adrenaline kick for me to put myself into a stress response before I even put my feet on the ground so that I would be awake enough to get to my computer. And whether it was like writing a newsletter or blog posts, doing pricing, whatever it was, I'd be sitting out there at ungodly hours. And so I was very much fueled by stress and caffeine. And then to bring myself down, I would drink wine. And I I lived in that state, I would say, for a good seven years probably. Uh, I've had to manage that significantly over the last couple of years and have to to take significant steps back from that sort of addiction to that rush. Um, And also the addiction to feeling like I was unstoppable and a really high producer and that no one could outwork me. I was so competitive that way. No one could outwork me. And so I've had to be a little bit humble about that um, to take care of myself physically and mentally. And to do that now, I make sure I get my sleep. I have cut down my alcohol. We just talked about it. I think I've had like three drinks since March, maybe. Um, I am very good about listening to myself, meditating, journaling, uh, being very aware of the stress response, watching myself when I get into that state of flight or fight. I'm very much into like educating myself about this. I've done therapy. I've been to meditation retreats. I have journaled about this. I mean, there's been a lot of tools that I have used to get to this place, um, which I certainly think has helped. Um, I still feel the pull. I'm, it's there. Like It's not enough. I'm not doing enough. Um, I could always be doing better. But I think for me to actually really be as creative and expansive and successful as I want to be over the long term, I think prioritizing those other elements have to be the foundation of where I work from now versus the other extreme, which is the burnout phase. So that's sort of my mix on it. I could talk about this for hours. I mentioned experience as an answer to the first question. I'll mention it here again. I think I'm going to go back to that same example of 
take your lumps while you're young and you've got the energy to rebound and you will find, I guess what I mean is you'll see experiences, stressful experiences start to repeat themselves. And you'll be able to say to yourself, we've been here before self. We know what this is like. We know how to deal with this. Last time we freaked out and it didn't help. So how do we get through this and how do we manage this difficult personality? How do we manage this overwhelming amount of business all coming in at the same time? You're like, we got through it before. And that's, I think, where experience matters. So Mm -hmm. just having that mindset of you've done it already and you can do it again. And uh, don't look at the, uh, the light at the, in the tunnel as a train. Look at it as like you just need to push. It's a long tunnel, but when you push through, you will eventually come out the other side. And yeah. I think that's, that's the voice of experience in your own head. Ralph, like you said a couple of weeks ago, nobody else can do your push-ups for you. You can't learn that. You just have to experience it to feel it. Right? Nobody can teach you that except you. The quote, the quote actually was by Jim Rohn, and it's, you can't pay somebody to do your push-ups for you. Right. You can't outsource that, which I love. Exactly. Yeah. That's the, that's the common denominator that makes everything fair is, is that you can't, no matter how wealthy you are, you can't pay somebody to do your push-ups for you. It's an equalizer yeah. in terms of the work that you do versus the work that you take out. I think another interesting point about our business especially is, is you have so many people running around from transaction to transaction thinking so short term. And mm-hmm. it's only, I think, when you get to the point that you understand this is a business and run it as a business. And in our instance, we have a team, we have systems, we have uh, responses to situations that everybody on the team knows how to handle. We have specific roles. And so there's a lot more um, diffusion of responsibility. And it's all all coming from one person from situation to situation. And it's all thought out on a long-term line or horizon. And so when you do that, it takes away a lot of the up and down day to day because you have that built out systems and infrastructure, which I think is so important. And so few people in this business have. And I think it's a huge reason for the high turnover or the reason why you'll see an agent have one really great year and then an awful year because the really great year burned them out so much. And while they were running around, quote unquote, producing, they weren't doing all the other fundamentals that are necessary with having a business because they didn't have the long-term vision systems and infrastructure in place. And that causes a tremendous amount of stress as you ride that wave, which is something that happens in any business or any sales. And I do think having consistency personally with your practices that speak to you about how you identify as yourself and improve yourself and handle stress and create time for yourself, whatever those are, if it's meditation or journaling or working out, or whatever, playing a sport or whatever it happens to be, having those practices and being consistent with it, even more so when you're busy, is really, really, really important to having that longevity uh, in a stressful business like the one we operate in daily. Totally. Total. Go ahead. Sorry, just a small digression on the tail of what Ralph was saying too, is we've talked about uh, the training for this and then your first year and mentioned that there should be some kind of an internship or apprenticeship or articling period. 
And I think that would save a lot of these people burnout if they actually sort of had that leadership role in their, their first few years to see like, okay, here's, here's what I, here's how I should prepare for actually being solo or joining a team somewhere down the line. Right. It's when you, you just get thrown to the wolves and you get eaten alive. Yeah. A really good mentor for sure would make a significant impact. And I totally agree Ian, with what you said. Like the things that used to stress us out when we were first in the business don't really stress us out anymore because we know how to manage them or that personality type or we've... Ex- I'm always like, oh my God, this would have stressed me out so much six years ago or whenever it was. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, 100%. this person yeah. needs to take Valium and just chill out. It's going to be totally fine. And the other thing that I know, and I say this every single day to whether it's a client or to our team member, is that there's a solution to every problem because there really is. Like it's, we're not saving lives here. Like I know it's high stakes and I get that this is a lot of money and I totally, but we are not saving lives. Like there is a solution every single time, as long as everyone stays rational and calm and we don't go to that place. So I think it does make it easier. Like you said, over time, you can imagine, you can manage burnout much easier because you've had that experience behind you. Absolutely. We, we often will, will say we see personality and we're like, you know, this, who this client is like. This client is like this client. What happened there? How did I, how did I, we, whoever handle that and get through it? And maybe we can apply some of that special sauce on this situation again. And also, another thing is finding that experience gives you the chance to find your own voice too. Corey, I know you've mentioned before that when you started, you thought, I need to be exactly like Ralph. And it took some time for you to realize that's not me. Not at all. I need to just be me. Yeah. Right. And I think that experience will get everyone that too. Could you imagine me and trying to be like Ralph now? <laughs> Not really. I can't even imagine it then. But So what strategies have you, have you developed to stay physically healthy with such a demanding schedule? And, and what does uh, a week look like for your schedules? I'm going to start with Corey. I am very disciplined when it comes to this. I have a gym membership. I also have some training sessions booked into my schedule and they're non-negotiables for me. They're booked into my calendar and I'm off for that hour. I also do not bring my phone to my workouts. So for one hour, I am not reachable and everyone will be just fine. The only time that I would never do that is if there was an active deal that we were actually negotiating live. Don't worry, clients. Um, So it's non-negotiable for me. I don't feel guilty about it. I know it's super important to me. Uh, It's in my calendar and I adhere to that. So I will weight train five days a week. I'll do a little bit of cardio. Um, like maybe four small 20-minute sessions. We have a Peloton at home, which is super helpful on really busy days just to get in a quick workout when required. We also have a great big, awesome dog. So we have a lot of chance to be outside and get our steps in, uh, grab a coffee, hang out with him, get some fresh air if you want to call Toronto Air Fresh. So these are all things that I do for exercise. I also have a fitness coach that helps me with my nutrition and how many calories I should be eating and how much protein I should be eating. And we have lots of meetings and check-ins just to make sure that I'm staying on track and that I have a plan in place. And I really do train as if I'm kind of an athlete. Like I go through phases. I go through a build phase and I go through a leaning out phase and I go through a maintenance phase. And we have like a whole year plan And I have found this to be super valuable and worth the investment, especially in a business where it's just so easy 
to put the gym and all the stuff off to the side because you need to prioritize showings or a new listing or a presentation, clients, and all the other stuff that life has to offer. So non-negotiable for me. I started making a list again because uh, I find with all of this stress, it's my memory is the first thing that's going. (laughs) What was I talking about? What was the the question? Yeah, that might just be age. (laughs) I go to the gym three times a week and I run the other three of the other days and then I do one day of rest. Dog walks, again, we've got two dogs here, so dog walks are a constant. On the side, I paint, I play guitar, and I am our social planner, basically just self-appointed. I am the one who makes plans with other people for dinners and nights out or coming over here, et cetera, et cetera. So between all of those things, yeah. that, that's my downtime. I love that. Yeah, my, my wife sometimes is like, Okay, I need a night off. You're doing too much right now. There's too much social engagement right now. I need a, I need a break from that. Aw, that's so. so cute that you're the social planner. Yeah, Ralph and I are both well, like, ah, oh, socializing. When are we going to do that? We're going to do that more. <laughs> <laughs> I work out three times a week with a personal trainer and mm-hmm. I lift god awful heavy weights, so heavy that just, and so intense that I could just not even think about doing that on my own and I'm pretty good on my own. Um, so that's something that's, that's very important. Uh, and I do believe in the importance of resistance training for a whole bunch of reasons. I try to get a fourth, uh, weight workout in, uh, on my own. And then the Peloton, uh, lately Corey and I have become a little bit obsessed with VO max training. VO2 max. max training. So that's a new regime that we've added into uh, our training. So the other thing that Corey and I are really into is our VO2 max training, which oh, yeah. uh, we do either on a Peloton or on the assault bike. And and who recovers faster? Uh, for now, you do. Thank you. Significantly faster? For now. <laughs> our dog is a really part, big part of our life. So we try and get out and spend as much time with uh, with Draper. Uh, we have a place up north and we love in the very few times that we have free to be able to get up there and spend time up north and out of the city, which is a huge respite for, uh, for both of us. Similar to Corey, um, I also track my cal- caloric intake, uh, which is important because somebody has to keep an eye on me. <laughs> because <laughs> it can be a slippery slope because I yes, love my chocolate chip cookies. So that's another aspect. And Corey and I, we both see natural path and uh, we check our blood and we take our vitamins. A functional medicine doctor. A functional medicine doctor. Uh, so we, there's a lot that we do. This is a very high level synopsis. Um, but everything that we're doing is really there to give us energy and sustenance and and as much balance as we can find. And I think it's really, really important. And as we get older, uh, especially in this business, to be able to focus more on that, I think it's, it's really, really important. And I think for our age group and peer group, um, we're doing awfully darn good. We're crushing it. Yeah. I feel like when we're on the team pictures with, with uh, the kids, we call them, uh, on our team. I, I feel like we don't look like the grandparents. So I consider that to be a really big win. I think so too. I mean, like maybe parents, grandparents would be pushing it. I wonder what they think of us. Like we think we all look okay, but like if we were to reverse engineer that question, they would probably think that we are all like ancient. Because you know, when you're in your 20s and you're around 40 year olds and 50 year olds, you're like, oh my God, 
These people mm-hmm. are like, you know, so I've asked myself the same question. <laughs> like, what do I, what do I, I think I look all right. How do I look to a 28 year old though? How do I look to a 25 year old? And they're like, no, no, you look, you look great. Old man, get me out of here. <laughs> I say that to the guys. Please that don't train. ask me that again. <laughs> the guys that train me at the gym all the time. Cause I always say this to Rob. I'm like, I feel like, you know, we're like, I'm like their sister, you know, like, you know, I'm hanging out with them, talking to shop. And they're probably like, oh my God, how many more lunges do I have to do with this lady? <laughs> I'm thinking they're like my peers and they're like totally like, this girl's awesome for her age. She's so cool. And meanwhile, they're probably like, oh God, she thinks it's, she's embarrassing herself. <laughs> so oh. sleep has been a, a very big nemesis of mine, uh, never being a good sleeper and thinking of myself as somewhat of an uh, insomniac. Um, maybe three, four years ago, I came across a lot of information and data that talked about uh, the importance of sleep and how detrimental to all facets, all cause mortality, uh, sleep deprivation is and how big of a role it can play in things later in life like dementia um, and all kinds of illnesses that we don't even want to go there. And so it's been a very, very, very big focus of mine. Uh, to continually strive to improve it. And there are various tactics and strategies that we've implemented in the Fox Marin household as a result. Um, but I'd also say that just it's been a real big focus and an acknowledgement of it being probably one of the greatest keys to physical and mental and spiritual health. And I think everybody on the team appreciates me in the office when I've had seven or eight hours solid sleep. And I remember this a couple of years ago, but Jeff Bezos wrote this really interesting article where he talked about, he sent it out to his shareholders saying, you want me to be waking up at 7.30 in the morning because you want me to have a good night's sleep because it's not the quantity of hours I'm at work. It's the quality of how I'm able to perform. And so I think of it the same way. And I know it's really important to uh, everyone on this call, but I thought I would just share leading off. Um, Ian, tell me, and I think you are a bit of an insomniac as well. I know you're super reachable at all hours of the day and night. Uh, just wondering what your what impact sleep has had on your life and career and what you're doing, if anything, uh, about it. Luckily, I'm pretty good most of the time. Uh, I would say I'm a... Um, I don't need a full eight hours per se. I'm usually a 12 midnight turn in and uh, six wake six to seven wake up unless things are really hopping and only twice in my real estate career can I think of a period of maybe a few months where I was waking up at three four o'clock in the morning with that holy shit how are we going to get through this Uh, what am I going to do about that maybe I should just get up right now there were even a few nights where I did get up right then and emailed some people who noticed and wrote back to me and said, did you send me an email at three o'clock in the morning? Legitimately? Yes, I did. Yes, I actually did. Because that was the only chance I had for that. Um, luckily, uh, that doesn't happen to me very often. And I contemplated, uh, talked to a doctor about some anti-anxiety medication at that point and never really went through with it because it was always in passing, mm. right? Where you've just got way too much on your plate and it's eight to 12 weeks. And you come through the other side and you're like, okay, 
Yeah. It just was a super busy phase. And you kind of return to normal. And it's, I, I, you know, going back to what we started with, you can't live in that space permanently, but you can do little portions of your life where, where you burn the candle at both ends for a little while for the greater good. But luckily for me, sleep is, is knock on wood. Uh, not, it doesn't trouble me. I don't suffer with... Uh, insomnia. Uh, yeah, insomnia. Thank you. Corey? I used to sleep so well. Ah, Ralph's insomnia affects me. I have to admit, it's one of those situations. So Ralph's sleep affects my sleep. I'm very aware of everyone's energy and how they're feeling and restlessness. And if other people don't feel comfortable, I'm uncomfortable. And it just is just not good that way. So no offense, Ralph, but your sleep has really affected mine. I think the business has affected my sleep. As I mentioned off the top, I was very stressed for the first five years of this and I would be lying in bed so amped my body would be shaking. And I really like, <laughs> sound like I'm an alcoholic, but like I really did use wine to unwind for years in this business. And when even before this business, because I used to work long hours in my old life as well. But to like unwind, I would drink two or three glasses of red a night. And then I would be so tired from the wine that it would just pass out from wine. And then wake up the next day feeling totally fine, functional, 100%, and just drink coffee through the whole day. So I don't, maybe my relationship with sleep isn't as good as I thought it was. Um, I certainly prioritize it now and certainly feel it when I don't have great sleeps. And I'm very much committed to the protocols that Ralph's put in place so that he has everything he needs to have a good night's sleep because his sleep affects my sleep. So there you go. It's couples therapy today. I refer to that when you're doing that unhealthy thing of waking up at five o'clock in the morning and having too much coffee as, as you're having a, um, a dragster week where basically like off the line, you need to go as fast as you possibly can. But then when you get past the finish line, you're going so fast that you need to put out a parachute to catch yourself or you'll just keep going right into the next day. And that parachute is your wine and it's not healthy. It's not a healthy way of doing things to like basically start like a gunshot. Yep. I did and that for then years. try to try to cut it off. I did that for years. It's only it's only sustainable for so no, long. I think I did it for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> it it's maybe sustainable through your twenties and thirties. This is this is the old folks podcast where we're like, you can't do that no, anymore. I cannot do that anymore. I can't. Yeah. I can't. Okay, so I've um, asked a whole bunch of questions. There's a lot more here, but I think we do have some time constraints. So I'm going to pass this over to Corey. Corey, okay. are there some questions given the context of this conversation now that stand out? And is there anything that you want to bring up or ask uh, myself or Ian or comment on yourself? Yeah, for sure. I think that we talked a little bit about the physical fitness part. Do you guys want to talk a little bit more about your nutrition? Like we kind of talked about it. And I think that as agents, we're often in our cars and on the go. And it's hard to always be finding resources for food and fuel. Do you want to just give me like a little insider on like how you stay on track with your uh, nutrition goals? Um, and maybe like, a little bit of an insight as to like what you eat in a day. I think people would be interested. I would want to know. Ian, you want to share yours and then I'll ask Ralph? Sure. And I think I, we should throw in there like if you do any fasting right. and what that looks like and how you do it. Okay. My diet somehow doesn't involve a lot of sugar mm -hmm. uh, ever, um, luckily. So 
Um, I get up, I'm usually up for an hour or two, have coffee, have water. I will do a little breakfast. I will eat a protein heavy lunch if I'm, if I'm able to. And then dinner is a mixed bag. And because of the hours that we keep and the times that we're client facing or dealing with offers or things like that, it's, it's not always, um, consistent, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but I try to do my best to, to keep, here's that word again, to keep a balance and make sure I'm getting enough of everything. And if I have to go through two or three days of, of not, not doing well, by kind of just eating to survive, then I will try to make that up on the back end when things calm down again. Um, and one of my secret weapons is I keep plain almonds, a jar of plain almonds in the car. Yep. And I am always so cute. searching out new protein bars. Okay. Same thing for the car. Because sometimes you can find yourself just Losing running it. from one set of appointments <laughs> to the next. And you're like, I just need something to keep going. I, I don't even have time to pull over, even for fast food, yeah. drive through, which I don't want to do anyway. But I don't even have enough time for that. I need something in, in my belly that's already <laughs> in the car. Yes. So it's years of experience, years of practice. And I've got some some pretty good snacks in the boot of the car for those emergencies, that's as well so as water, cute. lots and lots of water. Yes, we've seen you get hangry at photo shoot days before, so we know we know that mm-hmm. <laughs> we know that Ian can go there, even though he has yeah. the best disposition. When you need yeah. food, you need it, and you need it I'm right like, away. I'm like when your parents, if you're as old as we are, you remember when your parents used to go to the bank and they would take you with them, and you were just doing this. Yes, it was torture. Like, oh my God, this is the most boring place in the whole universe. Yep. How much longer do we have to be here? Yeah. That's what hangry feels like. Yeah. Oh no, my hangry, my hangry is like violent. <laughs> yeah, and then it turns into that. It goes from the exhausted, exasperated into, I'll kill you for a raisin. Yes. <laughs> Ralph, tell us a little bit about what, how you fuel through the day. I used to be able to through intermittent fasting and through intuitive eating, I'll call it, uh, used to to be able to hold the line pretty well. And at a certain point, that became a very big challenge. What worked no longer worked. And so I now um, am in a calorie reduced and uh, I do... Yeah, deficit. And I do track my calories. And currently... I'm at a deficit of about 2,100 calories. I track it. You're not in a deficit of 2,100. No, I'm in a deficit being at 2,100 calories. Thank you, Corey. And I track everything on uh, MyFitnessPal. I'm at about 219 grams of protein. Yeah. And those are the real two markers that I really focus on are, are protein and calories. More importantly, as discussed earlier, we're going out for dinner tonight, and tonight is a cheat night. So tonight is free-for-all. Um, but the problem with that, again, going back to the alcohol example, is, is when you've been eating so clean, if you have a cheat night, you kind of pay a price for it the next day, and it becomes self-regulating. And over time, these cheat nights become less gluttonous than one would think that they would be because... The pain afterwards is uh, is real the next day. So um, your body's not used to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's sort of what I'm doing on the diet side of things. And uh, I do like to drink lots of water, and I do do drink lots of water, and then I have lots of supplementation 
uh, as well to supplement my diet. I love it. And you're doing so well. Ralph is tracking. It's amazing, everybody. Let me tell you. I love it. I love it. Well, I'll share mine too because I'm sure there's some females listening that will be shocked when they hear this. So I love diet nutrition and I really believe that women undereat and I underate and overexercised my entire life up until the age of 43, probably somewhere around there. And I was like, this isn't working anymore. Like doing three hours of exercise and eating nothing. I'm weird. So um, I really changed the way I eat. I eat. I'm so I'm like eating tons of protein. So I eat about 170 grams of protein a day and it's all coming from food and not powders or protein bars or anything. Um, I eat about 2,000 to 2,100 calories a day, almost the same as Ralph Fox, which I think is pretty amazing. I generally eat like an egg white omelet in the morning for lunch. I have like a big bowl of Greek yogurt with like tons of great fruit and fiber and it's just like packed full of all this awesome stuff. For snacks, I have um, turkey and turkey bacon and I make like all these concoctions with my macros. I track everything in my fitness pal. And dinner, I have the same dinner almost every single night. Like this giant salad, like it's humongous with like rice and tilapia. And I always, always, always have to have the same salad dressing every night. It's called Green Goddess. I will hook you up. It is the best. Um, I have that every night and I have a piece of dark chocolate. It's, it is life-changing. And I have a piece of dark chocolate almost every single day as well. And you should put that in the put that in the comments, the name of that, oh, that dressing. We have like 10 bottles in the fridge. Like I stock up. And one time I was at Whole Foods and this bodybuilder guy was behind me and he also loves Green Goddess. And he had like his basket full of it. And we were laughing because I was like, oh my God, it's the best salad dressing. He's like, oh no. He's like, I only eat this and protein and rice. I'm like, me too. <laughs> so um, I'm currently not in a calorie deficit like Ralph, though I'm more in my maintenance plan. And I have really learned that fueling the body to build muscle and not be doing hours of cardio every day is a game changer. And God, do I feel so much better. So if anyone has questions, females out there, well, don't send me a million DMs because one time I put that out there and there was like a thousand questions about this. But like, I'm happy to do like any talks about this anytime. Maybe I'll bring my fitness coach on one time. It would be really good. She's the best. And to give some insight for women that feel like they have to eat nothing and overexercise to be lean. So that's a whole other topic. So, okay. I just wanted to cover nutrition because it's such a cool topic. And especially like Ian said, uh, when you're on the go, it's so hard. And I, I guess my, my last thing is um, if I'm on the go and on the road, my go-to would probably be egg bites at Starbucks. I think those are like the my go-to, you know, to-go foods. A little, a little protein. Yeah. And, then sometimes, yeah. and sometimes they're sold out. And I'm like, no, no, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to put all of these food recommendations in the comments. And I was also going to say to anybody who's watching, if you have a good suggestion of a protein product you think that we should try and would like, put that in as well. Because I would love to experiment with new things that I can keep in the car. Are there any mindfulness practices that keep you guys grounded? Like for me, I do a meditation every morning and then I do a meditation before I go to bed. Um, how about the both of you, Ralph? I'm pretty sure you, you do some stuff like this too. Yes, I do. As you know, we both meditate every morning. I do not every night. Depends on how I feel. Some nights I just need to go to bed. 
but uh, there are other nights where where I do, and sometimes there will be moments in the day. Or also, actually, I'm quite well known uh, to take a nap, so I will just like go to the uh, tell Emma in the office here. I'm like Emma, I need a 20 minute nap. So I'm a big proponent of the nap. I think that's really helpful. And I think, yeah, I think those are the big two things. On weekends, I like to journal. I find it helpful to sort of write things out mm-hmm. just to give my mind clarity. Sometimes going going to bed, if I write a to-do list and a win list, um, you know, the things that worked out really well, it's a good way to just clear my mind. And I, I've read some studies where it really helps people when they sleep to do that. So that's another thing that uh, that we do. I'd say those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. Ian, do you yeah. have any practices like that? My wife is a huge reader. So I'm usually, I've usually got a stack of books beside the bed for 10, 15 minutes before turning the light out, which is a great, like, just, and I'm in a book club. Yeah. And if they're watching this, uh, I'm sorry, I haven't been there yet this year. It's been, been negligent to my book club this year. It was really good last fall and then kind of fell off a little bit. So I'm kind of part-time in a book club. Hard to make it to book club in the evenings because we're often with clients or dealing with offers or something. So that makes it tricky. Um, I play Scrabble with my father who lives overseas. Uh, and we have three active games going. So that will give me a good five to seven minute break to take my turns in those games when I just need to like, okay, shut it off for a few minutes. And yeah, I mean, I before I mentioned uh, painting and playing guitar, which are also great mindful mindfulness things just walk away from the screen for half an hour and go put a coat on something um, and when i say painting i'm not repainting every room in my house i'm actually like creating, creating art. wall hanging art yeah yes. exactly yeah yes i'm gonna paint that trim again in the office yes <laughs> i'm nuts <laughs> people do <laughs> the hundredth time this week yeah i think yeah. people do do yeah. that it's not an ocd over house painting <laughs> And if you were to each have your go-to stress relief, so it's the middle of the day, you're really amped up, things aren't on your side, a client is upset, the team is upset, you know, a deal's gone sideways and you're just like in that reactive place, you're not in a good healthy state. What is your go-to stress relief outside of red wine? Ian. We have two dogs. And the younger of the two is intense. Uh, and he'll walk fast. So I will take him for a power walk for a good, uh, as long as I can manage. But it's usually about 45 minutes. And we have this great trail that we do. And I could let him off leash for a little part of it. He runs around and chases squirrels. And I just hoof it and uh, get a good pace going. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really helpful at clearing the mind. There's a great expression. There's a great quote, and I wish I knew who it was, that says, a long walk, a shower, and a nap never made anything worse. So true. Everyone says it's Winston Churchill. I think uh, anything that breaks state, so a walk, just walking away from the computer, sometimes a short meditation. The gym is always the best, but just heavy, heavy weights and just Going to another place, I think, is really friggin' awesome for that, depending upon the timing of it. I would say that those are like the big two, like anything that changes scenery, any type of physical exercise or movement, jumping on the Peloton for 20 minutes has also been really good. Um, things like that, physical activity or movement that will change state, I think, is usually the best stress reliever. Sometimes a shower is really, really good. Uh, and oftentimes, 
when you step away, sometimes the solution to those problems will just magically appear. Yeah, you mentioned lists too, Ralph, earlier, and I find that incredibly helpful to clear your mind to be like, you've got all these dogs barking at you. I need attention. I need attention. And when you write it all down, it's like, that's actually not so bad. When I actually see it in a visual way, it's like, it's not as many things as I thought it was. Because your mind will just have, what about this? What about this? What about this? And you're like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. But when it's all on the list, you're like, oh, it's already on the list. Yeah. Or just talk it out with somebody. You know, call a friend and be like, I got to do this. I got to do this. Right. And actually having a conversation instead of keeping it all in here is helpful. For me, I do 100% believe in changing state. Like I am really good at being aware of myself now and be like, I'm going into a reactive mode. This is not a healthy place to be. It's time to change my state. I can name it and watch myself there. And so I think agree with all of your tactics. I also find putting on really good music really helpful. I also mm-hmm. find cleaning really helpful. I don't even like cleaning, but I just feel like I put on some good music. I just like do a nice clean, make sure everything feels good and organized around me. And if you feel organized in my space, it helps me organize my mind and it will change my state. And then obviously exercise as long as I'm not overusing it because I can go there and use it in a negative place too. Like it's sort of like an addiction in a it's not enough state. So I have to be careful of that one. Walking the dog, 1 million percent, our guy Draper. And then I often talk to Ralph a lot in that stage. And he knows me so well that he's like, poor, you know, one brick at a time, baby, one brick at a time. Like we don't have to do like all 40 things on our list in this exact moment. And I think one tool that I have found really helpful for me is I start with the stuff I don't want to do first. Because I'm most productive in the morning. I feel like really good at my desk in the morning. So if I can just bang off the stuff I don't like to do first, then the rest of the stuff is like kind of fun. But if I can just, you know, I find pricing really grueling. It really requires me to focus. I don't want to be dinged on the side, writing presentation decks. I like to just like get through all of that first. And then everything else is kind of fun and buttery after that. So I think Mm -hmm. prioritizing the list, but doing the stuff you don't like first. So everything else just feels like a little bit of a cherry on top, much easier to do. I find that so funny because I actually do the reverse. I'm like, okay, so there's 12 things on my list. Seven of them are easy. I'm going to do that to get my momentum Mm. going so that that one, that number eight, that stinks. (laughs) I'll be like, no, I'm this far through this list right now. And I've, and I'm like, I'm on fire. Let's keep it going. Like this will be easier now. Oh, that's so interesting. And the other thing I was going to say about your cleaning and organizing is that's great. I think when you feel like things are out of control because it makes you feel like you have control over something. Totally. And it changes your your outlook. Completely. So go does. away for 10 minutes, organize something, clean up, do the dishes even the dishes. in the sink. Come back refreshed. Exactly. Right? How can you be how can your brain be organized if your environment isn't organized? If your environment is in chaos, that's just symptomatic of what's happening up here. Yep. For both of you, uh, Corey, let's start with you. Okay. Somebody who's only been in the business, this is their first year. Okay. Um, what What's your go-to tip okay. for work-life balance? Oh, I don't believe in that. <laughs> Would oh, you recommend God. meditation? No. It's too hard no. when you're at this stage. I think it, I think right. it would be that you block off whether it's your, whatever is important to you. Maybe it is meditation. Maybe it's yoga. Maybe it's walking your dog or training or whatever it is. And you put that one hour in your calendar and it's a non-negotiable like I was talking about. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to save that one hour for yourself, whatever that is. You can go to a dance class, paint, draw, whatever it is. It's mm-hmm. too easy to slip in your first year and go to the dark side. It's just too easy. Lose don't yourself. do what I did. <laughs> it was just don't do what I did. Um, so yeah, I think I think prioritizing like one hour a day. I think that's a healthy amount. And that would be my tip. And I think that I also think my tip is go all in in your first year and go all in in your second year. And maybe in your third year, you can start introducing that concept of balance a bit more. I would agree with that. Yeah. You're really going to have to push if you want this to work Yep, at the get, out, out of the gate. You'll probably naturally find ways to get, it's that ugly word, balance yep. back into your life, right? Like find way, you will find ways to carve out time for yourself. Ralph, what about you? What's your first year agent pointers for staying sane? Find a team and find a mentor within that team for a whole bunch of reasons. I think having a mentor is important because they can help stop you from making a lot of the mistakes you're about to make, which in turn will cause you a lot of stress and could be detrimental to your mental health or well-being. So I think having somebody who's there to help guide you is super important. And I think being able to be around colleagues is really important. And it's something we've talked about before, how this business is far lonelier than you think it is. And you spend so much time on your own. And like our meetings are every Wednesday, we have an in-person mandatory meeting. And it's as much as just a venting session and a hand-holding session. And uh, yeah, I get that. I've been through that. I understand. I'm so sorry. In a way that nobody else could ever hear you out or understand and support you. And then in turn, give advice because... There are other people who would have been through similar circumstances. And if not, we problem solve and figure out how to work through it. And so I think having that support system and mentorship and the ability, if there are things that you can't handle or you need time off that you can pass off to other people without it missing a beat for the client, I think is just invaluable. I think the business is moving so quickly and it's set up so that if you're an individual and trying to figure this out on your own, you're most likely going to fail. And so your odds of success mentally, personally, spiritually, financially are going to be best found on a strong team with mentorship and more importantly, just with camaraderie and the ability to share resources uh, are so, 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 so important. And I think the other piece of advice I would give, I know you said one, but would be two, is to think long-term and to think of this as a business, not a sprint and running from transaction to transaction. And if you can step back and think of it that way, you will then start to think of incorporating that into your personal life as the same way, because this is a five, 10-year plan, not a six-month get in, get out, or get a couple deals done, take some time off and get a couple. It doesn't work that way. So I think having that long-term approach and business mindset will then allow you to incorporate the things that are important to you to give yourself a semblance of balance and a chance of longevity in a business with a 50% turnover rate every two years. Very cool. Both excellent points, and I agree with both of them. And until somebody makes that apprenticeship, mentorship, uh, articling, whatever you want to call it, mandatory, yeah, do it yourself, right? Find somebody who can, who can help you, guide you. I think it's great. Next question. Corey, I'm going to give this to you first. So while I ask it, you can think about it. Okay. What books, mentors, or 
other resources have been instrumental in your own personal development. Any secrets you can share on that? I really love a lot of the books by jo- uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. I have found his work to be really interesting in the last year. Those have probably been the main ones I've listened to. And then I'm like really into a lot of fitness podcasts that I listen to while I'm working on my computer. So I'll listen to like a ton, a ton, and we'll put it into the show notes, Mind Pump. That is like my go-to um, health and fitness resource. And I find what those guys have to say to both men and women fascinating and interesting. Um, and then Ralph and I really have been on the Dr. Atia bandwagon lately and listening to a lot of his material um, on a lot of his podcasts that he and he just wrote a book called, I think it's called Thrive or is it, is that what it's called? Thrive? His new stuff I find is all about longevity. I find that stuff really interesting. So those would be like my top ones. I like um, Gabby Bernstein. I like her material as well. I think that she has a lot of uh, great insight on personal development and I, she's been a good go-to resource for me as well. Those are my my quick off the top ones. Thinking about it, and I didn't really have any thoughts prepared going into this, but just the names that came up to mind. Uh, first of all, I would say Anne Rand. And I read her books when I was like 18, 19, 20. And it really talked about the importance of self-reliance and being able to be dependent upon yourself and not wanting or needing to rely on other people. Um, and I think that re- in my formative years, that was a really impactful book or a set of books from Atlas Shrugged to um, Fountainhead um, to there's a few other titles, but I think her, she really impacted me. Uh, I think Tony Robbins as, you know, somewhat, some people laugh sometimes where they hear the name, but I think, um, He's basically the grandfather of the self-development industry. And I've been to two or three of, I've done the firewalk. I've done all of that stuff. And I think there's a lot in there, just even talking about states. I mean, that is all Tony Robbins. That's the core of what he talks about is state managing your state. Um, Eckhart Tolle, uh, really played a big role in a number of years ago, me sort of coming to the realization about self and ego and meditation, maybe like 15 years ago, that was really, really impactful. And that's really where I started my practice of meditation. So uh, I think he's played a really big role. It's going to sound funny, but I find uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger super inspiring just yes. for the fact that if you watch his story, how he came to North America with nothing, greatest athlete, seven-time world champion, Mr. Olympia, which is very mental. And then he took all of the the fundamentals that he learned and became very successful in business and then became the largest box office star in the world. And then as a Republican married into the Kennedy family and became the governor of the fifth largest economic engine in the world known as California, uh, I don't know if anybody's had that much success over that many different industries and careers. Uh, as as an individual has had, as he has had. And he really talks about the importance of visualizing and seeing your future and moving towards that. And so there's been a lot of books and, and writers and, and individuals that I've looked up to, but I think off the top of my head, those were the four that came to mind. Ian, do you want cool. to add to that list? 
Um, I have one that kind of crosses over between this one and the next question I've got. So I'm going to save that, but uh, I'm going to go back to what Ralph threw out uh, as an answer to the first one, which I actually think one of the resources that was instrumental to my personal development was not doing this alone, becoming part of the team. I think that was probably the biggest one. It's, it's so much better to be able to share your wins and losses and brainstorm things with other people. I, I can't stress the value of that enough. My next question for you, because I know we have time constraints today, do you use any specific apps or tools to track and manage your physical or mental health? We probably use almost the same ones. So Ralph and I can just I build, build on top of one yeah. another. So we both have meditation apps. We both use MyFitnessPal to track food. Uh, Ralph has an aura ring to track sleep. And we both have Apple Watches that measures, obviously, steps and active calories. Even though I know they're not accurate, everyone who's listening. I'm um, right on the cusp of getting one of those. Yeah, they're great. And it also measures heart rate when we're doing our VO2 max training and our recovery. Right, Ralph? Um, and I think those are the main tech apps that we use. Um, I can't think of anything else to add to that. Ralph, do you want to add to it? No, I think you covered it. Like I'm just looking at my phone here. As we oh, speak. we use a breathing app sometimes. Yeah, like Calm app is a really good app. Mm-hmm. My Fitness Pal is a really mm-hmm. good app. Uh, Aura Ring I use every day, and some of the some of the reasons why I like the Aura Ring and the Apple Watch is it gamifies it, and it's like, okay, what was my sleep score last night? And it's like a way to set a goal or intention, and then a way to objectively look at it or to be looking at your HRV rate or your HVO2 max rate. Not super accurate, but the trend lines will be really good indicators. And again, these are things to move towards continual improvement. So I think those are really good tools that we, um, that we use. And I, I, think that's, I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah, and I was going to throw in here as well that uh, your personal trainer, therapist for the mental health mm-hmm. side of things yes. too. So those aren't apps or tools, but they are resources that can help you uh, keep track of where you are physically totally. and what you're lifting, pushing, running, thinking. Um, thinking. And then, yeah, the mental health aspect of things, having somebody to vent to, to brainstorm with that remains private, confidential. And that can be work-related, but it can be your relationships, your family, your history, peeling back that onion, looking all the layers of your life and Love just talking onion. things out, right? Yeah. The next question, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice when you were starting out in regard to mental and physical health, what would it be? My advice uh, would be to lift heavy things, to eat you more. Would, yeah. Eat more. You would take the training you're doing now and have started that earlier. Oh my God, yeah. The years yeah. I just burned through muscle doing cardio. God damn it. Um, eat more. <laughs> lift heavier things, um, not be so freaking hard on myself. God, just so hard on myself. I've been a bit more open to meditation earlier. I was very resistant, but I think it's actually been the most helpful thing I've added to my toolkit in the last couple of years by far. And being okay, getting better of not everyone has to like me. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Ralph, what about you? It's going to be okay. Aw. Will it? 
Yeah. Can you can you tell me that? Can you call me every now and again or just text me? Just text me. We'll see what the Bank of Canada does on September 6th, but yeah, I think exactly. it's going to be okay. That was much deeper than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Personally, I would I would have just told myself to start sooner. Not uh, from a vanity standpoint, not like uh, but the the benefits of the physical exercise and doing more of it. Uh, when I was younger, I think I'm not sure that I'd be in any better shape today, but I think back then, mentally, I would have been in better shape to have been getting more exercise. Mm. Okay, I love that. Because it's not always a difference you see, it's often a difference you feel, Yep. right? Last question in my list. Okay. What are some of your goals in relation to health, fitness, and mental acuity moving forward? I think uh, as like one of the things that Corey and I, especially myself, like I think a lot about uh, is longevity and is not just increasing lifespan, but increasing the quality of my life as well. And in this book or author that Carl was talking about, uh, Dr. Tia, is he's, he's talking about imagining, now you don't know when you're going to enter the last decade of your life, but imagining what you'd like that last decade of your life to look like. Presumably, we're all talking 80s, 90s, 100s. But like, what would that be like? And then reverse engineer everything you're doing towards that last decade. Like, do you want to be able to be 90 and walk your dog? Do you want to be able to be 90 and be able to have conversations with people? You know, um, there are so many things that you need to think about when you start to think about what 50, 50 years from now you'd like your last decade to be like. I think that's really important. I don't think a lot of people think that way in terms of goals, like as you get older, you start to think about your longevity relative to how you want to age and how long you want to live. And so, yeah, like we're very hyper-focused, both Corey and I, on that. And I have uh, a lot of strength goals in the gym that I'm continually working towards. And the way we have our workouts structured is that every workout, I'm hitting a PR. And every workout in terms of mass volume, my volume is going up. And it's structured that way. So it's progressive overload over time. Um, and so that also goes into my mindset about how I think about everything. Uh, and so progressively getting stronger is something that's really important. Uh, VO2 is some max is something that Corey and I are looking at more now, which has to do with improving the cardiovascular strength uh, of your heart. And of course, what could be more important than that in tandem with physical strength? So I think those are two real big components with measurables. We're actually going to get the full test done in September. So now we're ramping up towards it. In September. Suddenly now, suddenly now it's like a competition. Always thinking about improving sleep. And that is like, and being able to track it and being able to say, well, not just like, well, I slept from here to here, but be like, this is the amount of REM sleep I had. This is the amount of deep sleep I had. And what did I do that night that gave me the amount of deep sleep that I had? The real, real restorative sleep. So thinking about sleep in that context is something that's really important. Uh, continuing to really focus on maintaining my protein. Because as you get older, your muscles start to deteriorate and keeping that level of uh, muscle mass and strength becomes more important. In that book that Corey was talking about, he was saying how if you're over 65 years old and you break your hip, you have a 50% chance of dying every year. 
So not falling is really, really important. And being able to, if you do fall, recover and absorb that quickly, super important. So muscle strength, cardiovascular strength, sleep, diet, all super important things. Um, the other thing that Corey and I do is um, our nutrition and we do see a functional uh, doctor and we do measure uh, all of our key indicators to make sure that everything's in balance and we try and keep that in balance. And then on the mental side, meditating and really, really just trying to be at calm and at peace and not be in fight or flight, which is something that our business tends to want to pull us towards uh, and staying being able to just be calmer and, and more focused and more balanced is uh, another real key component of it. So I could go on and on, but I think that's a real summation uh, where we're at and, and the markers that we're looking to measure as we go forward in time. Absolutely. I was going to say, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, the key to a long life is never fall. It's always, it always begins, the, the beginning of the end always seems to start with a fall. So never fall, you'll live forever. <laughs> Corey, what about you? Did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think my goals are obviously very similar to Ralph on the physical fitness side that there's no doubt in my mind that I love all of this stuff. You don't even have to convince me or motivate me or discipline around any of that. Um, for me, I want to have more fun and I want to let go more and just chill out. And I don't mean chill out like, you know, smoke a joint and hang out and do nothing lazy. I just mean like letting go, you know, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> um, I am there doing, a, yeah, I'm doing a yeah. meditation retreat in October. Um, that's always really a big challenge for me to meditate six to eight hours a day, not in my nature, as I'm sure for those of you who know me, you're like, what? So that is very challenging, but rewarding. So this will be my third one I'm doing. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I am taking, and I think Ralph's going to do it with me, a course um, by Michael Singer uh, based on his book, uh, Untethering the Soul, which is a lot about letting go, which is a big part of my process and moving out of that flight or fight kind of positioning. I want to like be a little bit better at living in the present moment and not to get too Eckhart Tolle here or anything, but, you know, I'm really into like future thinking all the time and never feeling like, you know, we've made it and it's not enough and not successful enough and I should be trying harder. And, you know, it'd be nice to enjoy the journey a little bit more and not be so attached to the outcome all the time. Mm -hmm. Ian? Yeah. Stop and smell the roses. Yeah. Right. Ever so often. Yeah. Every now and again, something will catch my attention and I'm like, it is so nice <laughs> yes. to be here, right here, right now. Yes. And not everything's going to be great always, yep. but to quote the great Ralph Fox, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> but also more so, more so than that, just in that moment, like just appreciating the beauty of where you are, what you have and who you have in your life and the things that you've worked really hard to, to, to achieve and have achieved, yeah. right? Give yourself a pat on the back sometimes. Yes. Instead of kicking yourself in the ass. Yes. Right? Give yourself a hug. Give yourself the kudos for the things that you've managed to achieve. Yep. And with, I mean, as far as health, fitness, and mental acuity, just maintenance and preservation, yeah. right? I think are the two key ones. All, all of the things that the two of you are doing, um, just trying to stay healthy, stay on top of things. And get some enjoyment out of life. Yep. Right. 
That's that's all we can ask for. One million percent. I got a quick um, lightning round Ooh. for you, if you will. Okay. So I just need a quick, short answer. Corey, your top health and fitness podcast. Mind Pump. Excellent. Ralph? I don't have one. Joe Rogan. That's okay. Joe Rogan. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ralph, one book that changed your life. Fountainhead and Ren. Okay. Corey? Uh, Conversations with God. I can't think of the author right now. Oh, oh, oh. I can visualize the cover. I can't remember now. Conversations with God. Okay. Yeah, I, the author's on the tip of my tongue too. Okay, Corey, one tech app that you can't live without? Apple Music. Ralph? Aura Ring. Favorite exercise at the gym? Bench press. Very nice. Corey? Shoulder press. Corey, least favorite exercise at the gym? Um, probably abs. Yeah. Ralph? It's called the pendulum. And I'd never heard of it before until my trainer introduced me to it. And it's basically was used in the 14th century uh, Spain <laughs> to torture people. And uh, essentially, it's like a, a, a free-loading leg press machine. It's just, it's just horrible. Ralph, I'm going to answer this one for you. Top cheat food, chocolate chip cookies. It's tied. With? Pasta, el dante. Nice. Over to you, Corey. Pizza. Do you have a number two? Ralph got two. I like apple desserts, like apple pie and apple strudel and stuff like that. Excellent. Something you wish you knew about health and wellness 10 years ago, Corey? Lift heavy things. Okay. Ralph? VO2 max. One piece of advice for our listeners. I think if you can hire somebody to support you in where you feel like you need a gap, you have a gap, whether it's training and you need education, therapy if you need help on that side, nutrition coaching if you need help on that side, like if you need a mentor on the business side, a business coach, hire somebody if you need third-party support and find a way to pay for it. Can I try to summarize all of that for you? Mm -hmm. Accountability. Yes. Yes. In all things. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I also think it's guidance though. It's not just, did you do this on a list? It's more like, you know what? Stop reading blog posts and uh, stop talking to your the gym your bros at the gym. And if you really want to get results, this is the way you are a professional. Yeah. yeah. And Ralph, I think as you get older, it becomes a lot harder to implement a lot of health and fitness regimes into your life. It's not impossible, but if you're 50 and find yourself in an issue with a health issue and all of a sudden have to work your way out of that. It is really, really, really hard. And everything becomes compoundingly harder as you age. And so I think understanding that if you're young and you're watching this and you're like, okay, maybe I should start implementing some of these practices now so that they become inherent with who I am and that may add a lot of time and energy and joy into your life, into the future, far more than you could ever realize because time goes really quick. It does. Working seven days a week, taking little vacation, and still managing to maintain our physical, mental, and emotional health is no small feat. This has been an inspiring conversation. It's just great to hear how you both navigate this with such demanding schedules. All three of us, in fact. To our listeners, I hope our team's shared experiences and strategies will inspire you in your pursuits, whether in real estate or in any high-pressure career or business. The insights we've discussed remind us all that success doesn't have to come at the cost of health and well-being. 
Until next time, stay focused, stay balanced, and keep striving for excellence in everything you do. Corey, what do we want everybody to know about us? I want you to know that you can contact us any night, time, and we're super nice. And we're going to add a lot of these resources from this conversation into the show notes below so that you have a quick Perfect. Uh, way to grab some of this information. You don't have to go back and re-listen to sections. And Ralph, what should people do before they go? Well, listen, if you're watching us right now, that means you've shared an hour to an hour and a half probably of your time and day with us. So thank you very, very much. We know it wasn't traditional real estate, but hopefully you got some of the value out of some of the experiences that we've had and learnings along the way. Um, we love you. Uh, please, 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 if you haven't, smash that subscribe button down below. Hit that like. And if you have any comments, please feel free to reach out at any time. To any of us. Absolutely. Amen. <laughs>